This podcast is brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. What if your team was as excited to clock in on Monday morning as they were for that first drink on Friday night? As the workforce continues to shift and deal with new disruptions and distractions, leaders are looking for answers as to how they can bring their teams together, recruit and retain top talent, and be ready for the next unexpected adversity. Turns out, when humor plays an active role in the workplace experience, it can help solve all of those challenges. And at Water Cooler Comedy, it's our mission to turn your company into one where laughing together is part of building a stronger culture and improving the problem-solving process. From customized corporate comedy experiences to keynotes to comedy workshops to online training and one-on-one consulting and more, Water Cooler Comedy can help make your company one where people come together to laugh around the water cooler, whether it's in person or virtual. Schedule a free consultation today at watercoolercomedy.org forward slash booking or learn more about us at watercoolercomedy.org because we want to help you make work the time and place to laugh. All right. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at Work. It's part of the You Can't Laugh at That podcast where uh, we take topics that aren't funny. We prove that they are funny. And the one topic that I keep coming back to is humor in the workplace. And so we interview the leaders of top workplaces who exhibit some of the same leadership qualities that comedians use to connect with their audiences, to build a bit, to, to power through failure and to get the laugh or achieve the goal. And with me today is Vinny Fisher. Vinny is the CEO of Fully Accountable based out of sunny, beautiful paradise of Fairlawn, Ohio. Vinny, what's going on today? David, thanks, bud, for having me today. I am excited. I uh, I believe in the emotion of humor so deeply that I couldn't help but want to be a guest on this awesome show. So thanks for having me. And that's why we reached out to you. Uh, Vinny has been married to Debbie for almost 26 years, has four beautiful children, whether they're Steelers fans or Browns fans, no one's no one's judging. Uh, Vinny's built multiple businesses with the privilege of growing four of them to eight figures. Today, he is the CEO and founder, like I said, of Fully Accountable, uh, Fully Accountable, which is a bold name choice. I understand the wordplay because, uh, you know, of the field that you're in. But uh, if you could give me an explanation as to what you do, as though I am five years old, that would be a beautiful way to start this podcast. Yeah. So we provide an outsourced solution for your back office. So we do a done for you solution in accounting and finance, where we staff the entire department for your small to mid-sized company. And our category of businesses that we work with, we we say we speak digital. So e-commerce, consumer packaged good, tech-enabled companies, uh, and agencies is the world that we live in. And so those are all of our clients. And we provide a fractionalized outsource component of CFO and full accountancy for, for those organizations. All right. So like I said, I, I get the wordplay for what you do. Makes yep. sense. Yep. Now, how that's something to live up to, though, when you have the word accountable in your yep. in your title, uh, how does that keep personal accountability top of mind? 
So to me, that all started with the vision of, of, of the idea of we're going to do all the work. You know, most big accountancy firms actually tell you what to do. They're a management consultant, but they don't do it. So we're not only going to say you need to do this. We're going to invest all the resources and actually do the work. So we wanted to be fully accountable, not just partially accountable. Now, that's a big moniker to wear, right? So that means that we got to continue to get better at what we do. And so we have to point out the things continually that we're not good at in order to continue to improve at those. Mm, that's a that's a really, that's scary for some people, you know, pointing out what we're not good at. Uh, a lot of people resist it, brush it under the rug. Have you had experience? Uh, have you learned the hard way that that's not the right way to do things? I, I wrote a book about an eight-figure enterprise I broke with that exact mentality. So yeah, I, uh, I probably lost more money in that transaction than most people ever make in multiple careers. And I have a great PhD in the uh, opposite of humility when you uh, build something in arrogance with blind spots. And so I would have been less than partially accountable in the breaking of our company. And I wrote a book called The CEO's Mindset is kind of a cleansing coming out of that, well, probably more than a cleansing, uh, which by the way, all of our guests can have and uh, all of our stuff, we love to give it out. So if they want it, they'll be in the show notes, a way for people to get their access and hands on, on, on those materials. But yeah, so I know that all too, too well, David. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, you gotta, you gotta fight through those experiences to become a better person on the other side. Oh, I'm a better leader because of those, those things, but I was thankful. I think a lot of people don't take the accountability that we're going to keep playing on the word and learn from uh, perseverance and endurance through taking the big hits. Absolutely. And, and you've written a book about it. I mean, so as a comedian, those that like that is the the centerpiece of a lot of my stories on stage that's how i connect with audiences yeah. it's how i level set it's how i uh, prove to them that no, i'm just like you and then i can get to the to the more sensitive topics once you build that trust uh, how would you say that that showcasing your accountability in that case uh, how does that connect you on a deeper level with your team and uh, in, in the culture building process you know because i love people right so i i i my premise in organization building is I believe in people over systems. I think good people with good systems will make for a great company. A lot of people think in systems first, people second. Well, as part of that, I realized I can't do everything. And the company I broke, I pulled so many levers that I didn't amplify what I shouldn't be doing so that the good and great people of my company could step in and fill those holes. So the more I led out of a fishbowl and was honest about what I'm going to be unable to do for us and was fully transparent about that, it's at that point we started really building organizational depth of people who are better at certain things than I am. Now, in uh, the interview that I listened to, you were on the the, uh, the Unicorn Perspective podcast. That's where I found you. Uh, you mention a goal of uh, leading, of, of training the leaders of the future yep. at your organization. Uh, describe kind of what that entails and, and what your vision is for that. Well, it starts with this old, bald, fat guy who's not going to live forever. And so I, I'm in a legacy phase, right? So I've had a lot of privilege to grow some stuff. And so at some point, it, in order for things to be bigger than you, it has to be bigger than you. And so I've been spending this season of my career, and that season's been running for a bit, of investing in the people who are going to be running the next seasons of our organization. So 
of all my time, most of it goes to our executive leadership, building up leaders and to our new people to, to impart and um, build up DNA. Cause you can't have a cult without good DNA. Right. And so in order to have a cult, you got to be filling them with the DNA. And so I do that too. Right, so you're the cult leader here. I'm the cult leader, buddy. What, uh, when, when you see your team fully engaged, fully energized, uh, it, what, what is the common theme that's there? Uh, what, what is it that inspires that, that buy-in to the cult, uh, that mentality? Because there, there is an energy there. Uh, for different organizations, it's, it's something different that's at right. each place. So uh, what is it that, that sets a fully accountable apart? You know, so we are a service company. So we fill in the hole and do some really hard work for companies. And so you know, there's a, a, a theme around all businesses that if cash is tight, that thorn in your paw can really be tough. And so we get, we're like customer service. Sometimes we get all the yuck and not all some of the good. And so early on, I decided as an organization, even before fully accountable, that our number one asset is our people. And so I just keep investing in our people. And if I do that, then they're able to invest out into our, our, our multitude of clients. And so we're operating at the highest when we have a meltdown of a client and they see our CEO stand up and protect our team over the client. That's, that's something that, so I spent a lot of time in the service industry and that's something that a lot of managers were, were scared to do. You know, when you have a client that isn't, uh, or a customer in this case, that isn't, uh, that isn't happy and they're they're displaying that and taking it out on somebody who you know it might not be their fault um so that's that's really cool that that you do that well, I mean, it's, you know I think, I think about comedians right they get up on stage and tell a joke i suspect i don't know what the numbers are but i bet half the crowd liked it and if you're lucky half did and you know and so lots of times you know, we're going to have, you know, hopefully most of our clients are happy with us, but some aren't going to be. And so they might attack and do things because they're mad at what's going on with them. And, you know, they take it out on us. And so I've just got to have some, you know, constraints to some of that and help people through it and love people. And sometimes I got to love them off our team, right? I just <laughs> got to love them onto someone else's team. Right, right. The fit is super important. What do you look for when it comes to uh, a fit for your culture? What are the personality traits? So our core values, if you look at, you know, caring, competent, and committed, and you look at some of the sub traits of those, those are all me. Mm -hmm. Those are all me. And then those are all my two business partners. And we really line up on a lot of those things that we stand for. And so we use that as a scorecard on how to measure someone on our team. We could have technicians that are amazing, but totally fail the scorecard of lining up with our value set, our heartbeat. That person needs to get uninvited from the team very quickly. In today's market, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of job openings. There's a it's an employee driven market at the, yep. this point. Yep. Um, when it comes, to, so when you get an applicant, yep, and they and they sit down for an interview. How do you know whether or not they display those qualities that, that are in All line questions, with you? Right. So we take our values and we turn those into a series of questions. So a great example would be we don't yell at each other here. We're passionate, but we don't yell at each other. And so the reason we don't yell at each other is because I was raised in an environment of yelling. I didn't like it. I shut down with it. I like to be pushed. I like to be challenged. I had coaches that like the yelling has a different flavor to it. And so we don't yell. So I might ask a question that says, hey, talk to me about the last time you got into an argument with a coworker and walk me through it. And some people are like, I gave him a piece of my bleepity bleep and I told him this and I stood up for myself and 
Okay, I make a note. They actually use amplification as a way to win their arguments. And then, and so you just start gathering a score. And so in that CEO's mindset, I laid my whole treasure trove out. I told you my scorecard system. So anybody who wants that, just go get it. We'll mail it to you for free. You don't even have to buy it. And in there is kind of the way we use a scorecard. And so another one would be like, you know, I believe that everyone lies and it's how you deal with your lies, not whether you do or don't lie. So like, tell me your last lie you made and what was it about? And, and so very open. I don't believe that you should finger point. I think most pointing should be back at you, not at somebody else. And so walk me through how you deal with that. And so that whole list is all of our values. I'm using that to see if in there you line up with us. If you don't, you probably belong on someone else's team where you line up with more of their values. I really like that. You know, everybody lies. That's how you deal with it mentality. Um, you know, of course we're going to lie. Of course we're going to do that. Uh, but I want to go back to, to the yelling aspect of it because yeah. a lot of times when you see somebody who uh, like a so let's take comedy for example uh, a, a newer comedian will get on stage and then they'll instead of writing better jokes they'll be louder because yeah. they've seen other comics do that like bill burr when he rants his, his voice tends to go up it's like he's yelling uh, but he's actually saying something of substance in there and so i i feel that like that yelling is a distraction from the real message that they want to share uh, and so when you say that that's kind of what that reminds me of that's kind of a the kind of looking uh, unpeeling the onion so to speak that's right i like looking that. you know what else is here uh, well what else could be true why is this person doing this yeah like it's just what? an indicator of something else going on and so we'd mm. like to see what that is so it just gives permission to a series of more questions that would lead to you know so you're not in a final interview or anywhere near a final interview with us if you haven't made it through the technical components of whatever you're sitting for. So when you're in that like face to face, now we're it's all about matching into the cult. Mm -hmm. You're either going to be a really good citizen in the cult or you're going to be a technician who belongs in someone else's cult. Do you think that referring to it as a cult uh, scares people away or is that something that that uh, I just have fun with that? Them? Yeah. Like you'll see me do things like, you know, it's you, you're supposed to use words like culture. I just have fun because our DNA isn't for everybody, but our DNA for the people who love it. Like we just had one of our third annual retreat and uh, we laughed and cried and did all the things that a good, healthy culture would do. And mm -hmm. and one of the uh, newer people said, I've never laughed more in a company setting than I did over the last couple of days. And I'm like, cool, because I believe that crying and laughing are very quick in close cousins of emotion. It's the lack of it, empathy that belongs somewhere else. And so to me, I want to know real quickly, if I'm offending you, that I'm close, I'm pretty close to you liking us. I've mm -hmm. actually stirred up an emotion <laughs> out of you. I just need to work through what you're offended about. Right. Questions, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the I always ask the question, this question at the end, what's the last thing you laughed about as a team at work? You kind of touched on that uh, with, with your recent retreat. Is there anything specific, like in a workplace setting that that brought you guys uh, to that that place of, of laughter? Um, I use humor in everything. I don't believe you should take, I think you should take what you do seriously, not yourself seriously. Mm -hmm. So everything I do at my dinner table last night, we had some new young people hanging around. I, I'm raising a lot of teenagers and young adults. So I'm in that phase of my life. And I uh, jokingly said, um, I'm youthful. I don't even feel my age. And I'm like, some days I don't even feel like I'm 21. And they all got the laughing. I Humor needs to be in everything. If I go uh, gaps of time and it's too serious, I start to get a little squirrely. So every day is filled with laughter. But those same days are also filled with some tears. Because mm -hmm. like, 
if you're going to deal with the junk, you ever been laughing so hard that you almost turn into crying? Yeah. They're the same emotion. They're just uncovering different things. And so both of those things happen around here a lot. How do you use that strategically? That like sharing that energy, like especially when it comes to addressing a problem over this past year, we've dealt with a lot of things that, that yeah. you know, we weren't sure how to deal with them and, and there's going to be mistakes made along the way. How do you apply that energy to solving problems where you might not know the answer? You can't laugh at that. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying this episode of You Can't Laugh at Work with Vinny Fisher. Before he answers that question, I want to talk briefly about culture because right now we live in an employee-driven market. So if your organization is having a hard time recruiting, engaging, and retaining top talent, it's time to make a change. When it comes to employee engagement, when it comes to building culture, for too long it's been put on the back burner. Where we are right now is a result of years and years of pushing that aside. So now you don't have time to not have time. Go to watercoolercomedy.org forward slash what's a killer and you can learn how to create a killer culture that attracts, engages, and retains top talent. That's watercoolercomedy.org forward slash what's a killer. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. You can't laugh at that. My job in our organization as the chief evangelist is to be uh, using words that are encouraging and uplifting so that they're beneficial according to the needs of those who are listening. So that's my job. And so my job is to, as my natural part of me would want to put any word out there, I have to replace the word I might naturally want to say with a more encouraging and uplifting word. And so I communicate and put words around the things that we want to be doing, not the things that would come out of my normal nature. And so if I do that regularly, then I'm forced to listen and hear what's coming out of stuff and people and help people have a perspective that would be bigger, uh, more true and noble and praiseworthy. Yeah, that's a that is a comedian approved technique. It's like, how can I say this one thing? How can I draw attention to this one thing? So like, um, for example, I'm losing my hair. Okay, I say that people are like, yeah, we we notice there's no there's no laughter there. But if I say it in a way where it's like, yeah, I thought about getting bangs over the pandemic, like everyone else, then I'm saying the same thing but I'm saying it in a way that elicits an emotion. So, you know, replacing, you know, saying one thing a different way is, is a great way to build connection. And yeah. So I might say it like this, I, you know, so I'm thankful that the good Lord's given me an intellect that's quick. And I, I immediately have a response to everything. Now, not always is that response a good response, but I have a response for everything. And so I might say, Hey, the reason why I know we're killing it is because I'm eye candy. <laughs> And so people are like, yeah, it's hilarious because I'm not eye candy and it's something else, but it's fun. And it's, it's a, it's a pattern interrupt and it's a laughter and, and like the CEO of a big company is willing to laugh at himself. Well, gosh, darn it. If it's not that scary for him, why is it so scary for me? Mm-hmm. The pattern interrupts. That's, that's the core of what humor is, is, you know, we've been thinking this one way, we've been thinking this one way. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a curveball. Now I'm seeing things totally differently. Uh, that's, that's, the big outcome of using humor, what pattern uh, needs interrupted at, at Fully Accountable now? Is there something that you're working on right now? What obstacles and challenges are you facing that need interrupted? It was happening to me just here in this, this part of the season where we're big. We used to play the David and Goliath card real well, but now, unfortunately, that's not a card that we can play, that chip on our shoulder that like we're fighting the big guy because 
in our category where I, I, I think we're the big guy. And uh, so I was getting stuck in vision and strategy. And so what needed to change was a perspective of what I wanted to do the next season for Foley. So I needed a little bit of break. I needed to expose that in front of everybody and admit that. So I went on some podcasts, admitted I was having some blockage, got in some groups, did some things, had some time alone reflection and came at our retreat firing on all cylinders because I had found some breakthroughs and all that. And it led everyone into the journey. The most loving thing I did was let people into the lonely, very dark feelings that went along with it. And at the end of that culminated with some really funny stuff of shared the ideas that were awful ones. Here's what I wanted to do. And I was like, we're doing what? No, we're not doing that. I want to do this. No, we're not. And, and so I kind of walk them through what was a really lonely path from a more of an amplified approach because I knew what we were going to do. And so I, that was super fun, but it took, um, you know, that was probably one of my toughest seasons of leadership, to be honest with you, because I had to help everyone lead through not having a routine. And I didn't realize as a leader, how much we bank on routine. And when routine has been robbed of us, people look to people who have an opinion for routine. And since I have the biggest opinion around us, everyone was looking for permission to what their routine was supposed to be. And so in all that, we're this gigantic thing that's only gotten bigger and I needed to then invent new innovation. So uh, yeah, that was, there you go. I, I know that was like puking all over you, but I puked in a way that was clearly what was going on with us. You, you puked on, you put your puke on display and, and, walked us through the journey of, of yeah. working it up and yeah i mean that's that, that's a huge thing like the hero's journey are you familiar with that oh yeah i yeah. love all their stuff i like uh joseph campbell's work mm -hmm. on that i love all of that stuff yeah and and it's it, it parallels it parallels their leadership it parallels their stand-up it parallels through i mean you name it, it it and and that's a big uh that's a big that's something that i like to put on display like when i bomb i talk about it when i yeah. you know when something doesn't go according to plan i talk about it uh, I had somebody reach out and they were like, man, would you stop punching down on yourself? And it's like, yeah, but it connected with you, right? You, are you seeing yourself in, in what I'm talking about? If not, then I need to find a better way to connect that. And that's where you bomb is when you miss out on that connection. Um, so what happens here is pe people don't believe us. Like, so when they say, Hey, you know, what we, we want to do is we, we don't want to avoid the pain. We want to address it and deal with it. People believe societally in the idea that you have a work life and a personal life instead mm -hmm. of just a life. And so, um, you know, they sure. mix together so much here because we know if you're acting differently here, it's not probably because of here. And so um, that's the other dynamic is that we, we in your business, we're like, you know, the we added a new value just at the retreat, got launched and we'll be adding it to all of our collateral community. I don't think it's something you can claim you are. I think it's something you earn. And I think we've earned the moniker of being a community because we, we care so deeply about each other that people turn down other opportunities to stay here. And I think it speaks volumes to that once your basic needs are met, it's got to be about something else. You hear that? Uh, people complaining that no one wants to work anymore. <laughs> no one wants to work for you. <laughs> I call people out on that. It's like, yeah, there are people in your industry who are not facing the same challenges you are. What are they doing differently? Stop blaming the market. Start doing something about it. Start Just gave that advice this morning to a yeah. guy. He's like, we had 40% turnover. I'm like, you might want to get a new mirror. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, put some Windex on there. Let's yeah. let's let's take a take a clear look at it. Yeah, people don't want to hear that, but again, it's part of the journey. It's you know, imagine a, imagine watching a movie. Imagine Star Wars and Luke Skywalker just walks up to the Death Star and blows it up. No, it's no fun. There's no story there. There's no. We gotta lose a hand. We gotta have some things happen. We gotta we need some things. Yeah, there's gotta be. You know, there's no video games where there's there's no bad guy. If Mario was just you walk into the castle and climbing the flagpole and there's nothing in between. No one's got to play that game. I wouldn't be able to lead the organization I have in the way I'm leading today if I didn't have a couple broken partnerships. I broke an eight-figure enterprise. I um, I disappeared from a couple years of my children and, the, and our family mm. and doing stuff. Like all of that stuff uh, really embodies um, a whole picture of the leader I am today. So 12 months from now, uh, where would you like to be based on what you just shared about what's working and uh, what, what could be better? Yeah, so we're just told the world that we're adding a, a service component of a complete done for you outsourced fractionalized HR service that we're going to fold into the company. So I suspect 12 months from now, after the resistance of inertia and habit that I'm going to have to fight through in my own organization, we will have some version of continuing that going. Uh, and then we will be on a journey where we just found out our ranking number for the Inc. 5000 for three years in a row. And uh, we're big enough that now I'm gunning for the top list of people in our industry. And I think uh, we'll double in size again. And I think uh, we'll be challenging the top ends of the market in like uh, management consulting as we do our fractionalized done for you stuff. As you grow, you know, that obviously means adding new people and, and it's going to get to a point where, you know, you may not know people uh, on a deep human level uh, from your position. Uh, how, uh, how do you plan on, on facing that and addressing that? I think the military has some things right. And I think the design of leadership that they have that work well is how many people report to how many people. And I really like parts of that. So ultimately as an, or, you know, I had in one of my organizations, the one I broke, I had almost 500 people on the team. And, um, and so one of the things I like about the military is they have no more than seven to nine direct people reporting to somebody. And so my reality is that I'll make sure um, I, I, my philosophy is I spend all my time with our executive team and all my time with new people. And so I don't see a lot of that changing. And the people in the middle will rely on the fringes as we, and I'll connect. And uh, hopefully if I don't know someone's name, I was just at the retreat with a new person. I had everyone wear name tags. Those were mostly for me, not for everyone else. Yeah. And, uh, but that's okay. We all need to know each other. And, um, you know, I have 100 and some odd, 140 some odd people in our organization throughout whatever. And I don't know intimate stories about everybody, but I know some and I know things, but I care about the one that's in front of me. And um, I think if you're connected to enough of the people, then uh, we, we check for making sure you're connected to somebody, not just me. Mm -hmm. So if you were to provide one piece of advice, one thing that, that, uh, especially when it comes to using something like humor as a tool in the in a workplace experience, when the going gets tough, when it feels like the world is piling on top of you, uh, what is that one thing that you would tell somebody that's in that position? So where I use it a lot and where I would definitely recommend using it is so when somebody screws up, it's not if they screw up, it's when they screw up. 
I use humor in the amounts of mistakes I've made for our organization as a way to say, we're going to get through this. Mm. So they hear I'm not bailing on you because you screwed up. And so mm. we have this joke around here called $10,000 Fridays. And so in coding and software, you can make some mistakes. And you don't find out for a couple of days, but if we stop putting things live on a Friday, because you didn't find out till Monday, the mistakes. So we're like, what are our $10,000 Fridays we can avoid? Well, I've had some big bad Fridays. And, you know, recently we had someone screw up on a new version of a benchmarking report we do for a client, totally peed down her leg. It was awful. And I reminded her that I did 10 times worse than that recently, and we're going to be okay. And so I think if someone could lead as a leader, help people realize it's how we respond to get knocked down, not whether we get knocked down. That's a big deal. It was uh, the HBO, uh, whoever was doing their social media or whatever intern, uh, I forget what exactly happened, but they accidentally posted something. And the outpouring of support from people sharing their stories of, of like mistakes that they made when they were interns, just uh, it, it was one of those heartwarming stories that we need to keep uh, referencing and, and coming back to. So we have a motto here that says, do the right thing regardless of the result. And if that even means telling on yourself when you screw up, instead of trying to cover it up. Tell on yourself. I think that's valuable advice for anybody in any position, whether it's your position as a, as a CEO or it's a, your first day as an intern. All right. Uh, Vinny, is, is there anything else that, that you would like to add? Any uh, thoughts that kicked around that got away from you and, and skirted out of bounds that you want to throw back in play? Yeah, I think the one thing is, I think too many leaders as they get mature and professional and respected, lose sight of the little person inside of him who likes to have fun, right? I think you have to have the permission to bring fun into your organization because everyone's going to draft off of you. And so don't take yourself so seriously. As a matter of fact, if you do, they, they, the gap between you and the rest of your team, the audience, so to speak, is so large that you have to go towards them, not them come towards you. That's, that's great parting advice. That's uh, great parting wisdom. And uh, Vinny, before you go, anything on uh, social media? Uh, obviously, the CEO's mindset. Let's uh, we'll put that in the show notes for for folks if they want to uh, check that out. Um, but is there anything else that you'd like to point people toward? You know, you can go to Vinny Fisher at anything, and you'll find me. And then you could always come to Fully Accountable at fullyaccountable.com. And we have a we care at Fully Accountable, and we do care. So if we can help you with getting the right thing or open the right resource, or I don't know that we're like Zappos and can get you a pizza, but something short of that, if if we can help you, we want to help. All right, Vinny, thank you for uh, joining the podcast and helping me prove that you can laugh at work. You can find us uh, on Twitter. Uh, of course, you can't laugh at that. Uh, it's at You Can't Laugh Pod on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the David Horning. Visit watercoolercomedy.org to learn how to make your organization a little bit more fun by using humor as a strategic initiative. And uh, check out my brand new eight week course. It is uh, seven steps to reframe retention and create a killer culture. With that being said, all that fun stuff out of the way. Again, Vinny, you've been uh, a pleasure. I could sit here and talk to you about this all day, as well as our ties to Northeast Ohio. Uh, but it, I.O., baby. You can't laugh at that. <laughs>